and welcome to HR Bites, a podcast and video series to bring you stories of everyday HR professionals who bring a think globally and act locally digital HR agenda to their work. Everyday people who are driving digital transformations in their organizations, data-driven and future-fit HR leaders. This is your host, Jay Polaki, and today's guest is Vadim Lieberman. Welcome to the show, Vadim. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me here today. I really appreciate it. I was listening to your intro and I was like, well, you couldn't get one of those people. So you got me instead. <laughs> well, this is a special show because I really wanted to bring your expertise and your knowledge in terms of the hiring trends and all the talent acquisition and talent management trends that have basically been reset because of 2020, right? Everything's a little different now. And so tell us a little bit about uh, the work you do at TLNT and ERE.net. I know you're a big, big uh, editor of a lot of stuff. (laughs) And and you are super cool to talk to. So this is going to be a fun conversation. I can already tell. Yeah, no, it's going to be super fun. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, I'm editor of uh, TLNT.com, which is geared toward HR professionals, and ERE.net, which targets uh, talent acquisition professionals. So as editor there, of course, I edit content. I write some content too. But what's great is that I have exposure to a lot of people who pitch me their ideas, vendors, practitioners, consultants, uh, you name it. So it's really what I love about my job is just trafficking in those ideas. But I also uh, help program our ERE events uh, twice a year, which are um, recruiting events, which are virtual now, obviously. So that's really fun, too, to work with speakers and really uh, broadcast their ideas to help other professionals on a wider basis. So in a nutshell, uh, that's my work. And I really see I see a lot of my work is around community building um, among talent acquisition and HR professionals. Yeah. Plus I'm like the Liberace of HR. I didn't want to disappoint. So I don't know if this is yay for LeMay or just maybe I'm mispronouncing lame wrong, but you know, (laughs) I'm here for it. It looks awesome. We'll take any glitter on the show anytime. So thank you for being your shining self. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, So, you know, we've been in this pandemic for a year now. It's it's going to be a year in a week's time. And, yeah. you know, we've all kind of muddled through this and tried to do the best we can when it comes to our employee experience, employee engagement within organizations, uh, our social networks outside of organizations, and also for, uh, for a lot of us, the job search, right? Not just finding talent, but for folks who've been out of jobs to even find a position that's, um, you know, suitable for them. You've been at the forefront of research and analytics and, you know, especially in the talent management and recruitment uh, industry. Can you throw some light on how we've had to recalibrate and readjust and reset our work, especially in the HR function when it comes to, uh, you know, bringing those magnetic talent, talented individuals to our companies? Yeah, I mean, I think at the core whether you're an HR professional or a talent acquisition professional, I think what this past year has done is really made the work, I would say, unfortunately, at the end of the day, it's been very reactionary. And uh-huh. um, 
And it's no surprise that companies have had to shift to remote work, more of a flexible schedule. But it's not just, you know, I feel like the challenge really has been not the implementation of those policies and practices, but the mindset that these are actually not band-aids, perhaps, but practices that might be worth exploring, continuing in some way going forward, you know? And and so to that point, what are the different, you know, hiring trends that you're seeing out there? How do you think our HR colleagues within the talent management functions and outside of it have adjusted and recalibrated their approach um, to talent management? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the company, whether this is a company that has been impacted by the pandemic and the and the economic consequences of that to a point where they've had to restrict their hiring. Um, if so, I've seen what, what I really like some companies do is that they really put a focus on internal recruitment and mobility within a company. Like there's all this untapped talent inside a company. And really what's really exciting potentially about this is that this is what we all, I mean, we all have things collectively, but a lot of people talk about that this is what the future of work looks like. It's not about putting people into jobs, into boxes, but really looking at their skills, their abilities, their experience, and how can we apply those to different projects and and tasks inside of a company. And so this is a really great opportunity for companies to look at their talent, try to do an audit of that, try to create a talent directory that's internal and move people around, not their jobs, but like just really focusing on what they can do. And that has the benefit of, of course, um, improving morale and, and because we all want to contribute as much of our value as we can. So I've really like that's the best thing that I think I've seen um, some companies do. Of course, there's the 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 flip side of that is companies that have had to go on a hiring spree you know to uh, to hire more retail employees or, mm-hmm. or 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 in healthcare and like one of the things i've, I've loved there is um uh, talent directories, talent external talent directories that connect displaced employees from some industries into others. Like I'm blanking out now, but I know CVS did this. I know Hilton did this. Um, you know, in ways that really help keep people employed. I've loved that too, that cross collaboration. Absolutely. And and definitely in the healthcare industry, it's been a huge, huge upheaval of all kinds of stuff. Um, I was speaking to Jeffrey Shapiro earlier last month, and uh, he was talking about how he actually didn't use much technology when it came to bringing people on board, because when it comes to their industry, which is the radiology industry, the technicians like to see the equipment and that's their big selling point. So they had to bring them in to say, hey, this is what we have to offer. You get to work with this cool tech. So come look at it. And then, you know, you can make a choice whether you want to come work for us. So on the flip side of things, (laughs) being in healthcare, um, they had to kind of pivot and do that instead of just doing a a technique, you know, an interview online, a virtual interview. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what we've all had to do. That's what we've all had to do. That's what companies have had to do. That's what we've had to do as individuals, do a lot of pivoting, sometimes on a daily basis, balancing our work lives. And and uh, is, is there even such a thing as a, as a work life versus uh, um, your work versus your regular life, your personal versus professional? 
to me, I've always seen it as all the same, but I think that especially in light of the pandemic and the way we've had to adjust the way we operate on a daily basis, I think the meshing has been even more intertwined, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. I like that mesh. <laughs> I yeah. like the, the word, the use of the word mesh because definitely yeah. it's been a mesh and a mess. <laughs> yeah, I should have worn some mesh today, you know, to drive that point home. <laughs> so very nice. That's that's a great point to bring to the fore. Yeah. Um, in terms of the social networks, you know, uh, outside of organizations, within organizations, how do you think that has helped our HR colleagues kind of navigate the waters when it comes to innovation and tech adoption in our space during this time? Uh, well, I mean, are you talking about by social networks, like just the ability for people to connect with other people? Through, I mean, or... Uh, their their social capital within the organization so you know their uh, you know how did they utilize or leverage that were they able to what do you think has happened do you think that would that was something that helped them bring new innovation new technology to our function or or not yeah i mean again i think it you know as everything it depends on the individual organization but definitely i think it goes back to something i was saying before about you know kind of related to internal mobility and you know and all of that but i do think that companies that have been able to weather all of this upheaval and change relatively at least well really have absolutely tapped into you know um leveraging, you know, different people, connecting different people in different companies and different uh, within their companies and different departments in different ways, really broken down those silos um, in order to, you know, uh, survive or even thrive. You know, uh, I think that uh, I know it's such a cliche to say, such a cliche to say, especially in HR, but you know, your people are your best assets, you know, and I hate cliches. But it's actually, there's no company without people. Like even the most digital companies, even the most tech-driven companies, it's still people driving that tech, not the reverse. Uh, so I think that the organizations that have really been able to tap into the different skill sets and knowledge of different people within their organizations and transfer those throughout the organization um, are ones that um, probably have done the best and are positioned to do better going forward. And, you know, organizations that have had to pivot in the middle of the pandemic, especially after, you know, they've put in place certain things, but then the pandemic kind of changed too, right? Because it it, it changed, there were variants of it coming in and, and mm -hmm. you know, people were revolting against wearing masks or not wearing, you know, or not wearing masks because they just don't want to. And organizations have had to deal with that too. And then, of course, the whole remote work, like, uh, everyone's mostly, if you're not in healthcare or in any kind of emergency, um, you know, job, you are working from home. And so we've had to like pivot and adjust our, uh, our thought processes to help enable our employees to work from home and kind of adopt this hybrid uh, work environment. How do you think we as an HR function can help our employee populations because this is here to stay. It's not something that's gonna go away. Um, how do you think we can help our employees as HR professionals to be you to thrive in this hybrid work environment? So first, let me backtrack on what you were saying and potentially, potentially push back on that a little because you know you had just mentioned a, a moment ago, like this is here to stay, this is not gonna change. And, 
I don't know that that's true. Like, I would like to believe that the flexibility that organizations have been giving their people. Um, and by the way, we're still talking, when I say that, this is more white collar work we've been talking. I don't know how flexible, you know, there's a whole other population that really, unfortunately, rarely gets talked about, you know, blue collar hourly employees. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, even if we're just talking about even knowledge workers or white collar workers, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know that once the pandemic subsides enough that this flexibility mindset, if it even really is a mindset that took hold, right? Just because you're doing something doesn't mean that you really believe in it. So I don't know that that is going to last. I think people make tend to make all kinds of predictions based on the intensity of the present, but um, time will tell, you know, I, I, I don't know. But that said, um, I, I forgot what your question was already, other than to say I would like for the flexibility to last. But what was your question? Like, I'm already, like, I'm already losing it. Well, well, you know, because this is, I think this is here to stay in some, in, in some form of a hybrid environment where, mm -hmm. you know, we'll be working from home as well as working from a physical location. Um, how do you think we as HR professionals can help our employees adopt to this new, uh, you know, hybrid workplace? Yeah, I think we should be doing some of the things that we've already been doing, which is really focusing on flexibility and not holding people, first of all, to be working, you know, specific hours of the day, um, you know, when it's reasonable and, feas and feasible, right, that people can get work done outside of those hours so that they can plan around their their uh, their life with with their kids or caring for elder parents or just whatever or a yoga class they want to take I don't know you know um, so I think there's that but at the same time I think that there needs to be reasonable expectations of not um, in creating environments that uh, permit or even encourage um, you know working you know. 70 hour weeks because you know once you're home and I know this for myself I've been a remote employee for multiple companies many years it's very easy to have work create work just take over your life you know and so I think that there's expectations that have to be set um, I think HR can help drive that at the end of the day it's always going to be the you know the, the manager's responsibility to address those issues, but HR can certainly um, set a tone. Leaders in the company can set a tone for that. You know, even little things, we talk about this a lot. You don't have to send your employees an email on the weekend, right? You don't have to do that. Like if it can wait, it can wait, you know? Um, so there's little things, you know, that, that can be done. So I think it's just really having that mindset and really adopting and believing in that mindset. Wonderful. And and what's one piece of advice you have for HR professionals who are looking to adopt new technology or even learn the technology that they've already adopted, but never, you know, took the interest or the kind of intentional learning to happen. And, and now they're forced to learn it, right? So what advice do you have for our colleagues? To learn it. Yes. Just that. To learn it, you're for. I mean, you're 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 being forced. Well, just because you're being forced to learn it doesn't mean you're real. Again, this goes back to what I was just saying before, right? Like you can, it's like okay, I, God, I got to learn this new technology. I have so much other stuff to do. But like, try to shift that mindset to to think like, well, this technology can really help, you know. But I do want to say, you know, related to this point, that I think too often um, 
in HR and talent acquisition, we look to technology to solve problems. There is not one major problem that technology is going to solve in your organization, literally not one. Technology is not a solution. I know we call it solution. You know, the, the lingo around that is, oh, here's a, here's a recruiting solution. Here's a performance management solution in terms of how we describe tech. But at the end of the day, it's not a solution. It's a solution enabler. And I think that that's what we, how we have to view technology as a tool to be part of the solution. But the solution will always be people-based. It'll be people driving that solution, leaders, HR professionals, the employee, and not just leaders, like your rank and file employees too are part of that solution. It's not going to be the technology. And, and I, I think unfortunately, sometimes we get caught up and, oh my God, we have this new wellness technology and look, it can track your heartbeat and it can, and look at your Fitbit, like that is not a well-being strategy, you know? Um, oh, that's um, a great point. I, mean, I, I talk, but sorry, what was that? I, I said that's a great point you bring up because you know technology is definitely the enabler, yes. and and when you said that, Vadim, it really struck a chord because that's that's what we do at HR Geckos. You know, we enable uh, better human performance through mm -hmm. technology, but technology is not the end all and the be all and the solution that's going to you know take care of all your problems. Right? It's not. HR can never be 100% automated. That's what I believe in because we are the human face of the organization. We are the function that deals with the humans of the organization. So uh, if we look at it that way, then definitely um, that's, a, that's a bad way to look at it, if you ask me. So that's, that's a great point you bring out. Yeah, you know, like in my last role before I came here, I used to work for a company called The Star Conspiracy, which is a marketing agency. And, and uh, um, they're clients are predominantly workplace HR tech vendors, right? So I was basically a marketing consultant there. And so I dealt with a lot of vendors, exposed to a lot of ideas. And one of the things that I kept pushing back on vendors um, was that, look, you're an employee engagement solution, right? But here's the thing, maybe you're just measuring employee engagement, you're enabling it, but like there's no company and no savvy HR executive that is going to believe that your tech solution that can help, um, that can do pulse surveys, you know, um, that can provide insights is going to automatically solve your engagement issues. It's not. It can help give you the insights you need, but then it's up to you, the leaders, the people to do that. And I think that sometimes what you often find with HR tech vendors is that they over oversell, overpromise, make it seem like this is some miracle panacea, you know? No, great point. Great point. And I've been in HR long enough. I've dealt with HR technology vendors. So when I'm on the other side of the table now, I really know what not to say <laughs> because <laughs> I, I have hung up on people before when they said stuff. And I, I'm pretty certain that I'm never going to do that to any of my HR colleagues. So thank you for confirming <laughs> what I already know. And, and thank you for saying this. Well, once the listen, once the Liberace of HR says something, it's gold, you know. So <laughs> yeah. wonderful. So this brings us to the funner part of our conversation, the fun question connection uh, section. Um, who's one person in HR technology that you think we should all know and connect with on social? 
Yeah. So hmm, HR technology, like I, you know, initially I was thinking HR, can I tell you who, I mean, I'm sure she deals with technology. Every HR professional deals with technology. Um, I, so let me just say this. I have become acquainted in the past year with someone named Kayla Moncayo. Um, do you know her Jay by any chance? Yes, social? I know Kayla. Yes. Yeah. Um, she is young. She's in her late twenties, I believe. And she, I, she, I was a mess at her age. And Kayla just really inspires me. Um, she's an employee at, at her heart. She's an employee relations uh, 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 practitioner, or, you know, that's her area of HR that she's super passionate about. Um, but she's an HR fire breather, as she calls herself. And she is really, I think, emblematic um, of a rising crop of HR professionals that I'm seeing that are less afraid. She's not, I mean, she doesn't seem afraid at all. You know, at least that's how she comes off, which is great. Um, to voice their opinions on issues that really matter. So she's not out there voicing her opinion on, you know, what kind of cuisine should we bring to the HR party that we're planning, right? That's important too, by the way, I love food. But what she's talking about, the real issues that matter, compensation, um, diversity and inclusion and not from a lip service perspective. I mean, I don't need to go into her whole history, but if you, you find Kayla Moncayo on Twitter, on LinkedIn, you will see, um, you know, the things that she talks about are really super relevant to HR. And I just love her enthusiasm, uh, the inspiration that she provides others, and just the overall knowledge and expertise that she's willing to share in such um, a fervent way. I love that about her. Um, she's written for me, you know, at, on ERE. She'll be writing at TLNT. So um, I love, I love the, I love the, you know, she mentioned that I gave her an opportunity to write an article. No, like that was, that was my pleasure to be able to amplify her voice. So yeah, Kayla Moncayo, look her up. Wonderful. I will link her profile in our show notes for the audience. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite HR podcast other than HR Bytes, of course? Oh, I mean, gosh, of course. So um, I am still a fan of Lori Rudiman. Check her. She has a podcast that you can find it on laurierudiman.com. Lori, I, you know, I always plug Lori Rudiman because she's, I said this before, she's like my HR fairy godmother, <laughs> um, both professionally and personally. And what I've always liked about her, um, and I think uh, her podcast and just her in general is similar to what I was saying about Kayla. There's there's a fearless quality there where Lori's willing to go there and really just um, dig into a, uh, a topic and, and is unafraid to really challenge the status quo and topple the status quo. And she has people on her podcast that um, have a similar mindset or, or even if they don't, like they explore really interesting topics because I think that's what we should be doing more. We should be challenging the status quo and toppling all kinds of conventions. So check her out, laurierudeman.com. She's, I swear she did not pay me to say this, but she does have a new book out, you know, betting on you. So check yes, her out. Yeah. I, I know Laurie, I interviewed her for the book actually. So I will definitely link her in the show notes for the audience. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, your favorite LinkedIn learning or e-learning course that you think everyone in HR should, you know, watch and learn from, especially as it relates to HR technology, uh, you know, HR diversity technology or HR compensation technology? Yeah, I mean, there's so, so much that's out there. 
Um, to be honest with you, I like, so, and this is just me. I'm not a big, I, I don't myself take these courses, you know, but I know that there's so many out there. My, it's, I don't have a favorite and I'll just be perfectly blunt about that. But this is what I believe. I believe that, you know, you know, if this is your area of interest, right, HR tech, and you really want to learn about HR tech to the point of taking the course, mm-hmm. um, go, there's so many resources, go online, go on LinkedIn learning, go on Coursera, go on anywhere. It doesn't really make a difference where you go, just take a course and you will feel and be smarter as a result of it. So I, it's, it's not so much that I, and willing to pick a certain one. But I think that's so often we get so involved in our daily lives. We have so many responsibilities and tasks that we don't take the time to, to grow ourselves. And so I always say, it doesn't matter what you do, just do something, right? Like I can, this isn't HR tech related, but I committed to this year, like anyone with New Year's resolutions, watching at least one TED talk a day. And I found that a lot of those talks suck, <laughs> to be honest with you. And it, I mean, there's great ones out there. Don't get me wrong, but like, you know, I don't do one a day anymore. <laughs> I don't have to, you know. So <laughs> look at this. I'm know. ruining. Thank everything. you for your candid feedback. That's really good to know. I, I do um, get what you're yeah. saying. So you know, that's that's good to know and good to hear. But even even um, you know, tuning into to this to to these conversations that like you and I are having there's others out there you know i mentioned lori's podcast the thing about learning is you don't need a course too you know there's so so many ways to learn pick up a book you know subscribe to subscribe to tlnt.com's newsletter which just occurred to me i swear it's not a talking point um there's there's so many so so many especially in this digital age uh resources out there you know um, I absolutely encourage everyone to take time to learn and grow. Absolutely. Love the plug. TLNT.com, of course. TLNT.com. <laughs> so given the upheaval of all things work and life, of course, uh, yeah. what is one workplace trend that you think is here to stay other than the Zoom shirt or the Zoom golden Liberace jacket that you're wearing? <laughs> What's here to say? Is this, I mean, there's a, I mean, I, I mean, well, there's my mullet too. I'm trying to bring the 80s back here, right? With the hood, you know. Hey, you need to sing for uh, us too on the show. Come on now. Oh, I, I, listen, when you buy it, when you, listen, when you buy a ticket to my concert, then I'll sing for you. <laughs> Call Ticketmaster now. <laughs> um, wait for that voicemail, Jay. Um, okay, all right. <laughs> um, what, so I don't think that it is a stretch by any imagination. I, you know, my answer is not going to be creative or unique, but it's what we were talking about before in terms of workplace trends that are here to stay. Hopefully the flat, the one, uh, that revolves around flexibility, mm. the one that gives employees uh, time to have a life uh, that work is part of, but that is not defined by work alone. You know, um, I have I have a digital piano right next to me, Liberace of HR, right? Um, so I, you know, I sometimes I'll play that in the middle of the day, and then I'll get back to work. I do caregiving for my mom. You know, like that's important too. So hopefully. The trend goes back to what I said before. It's not so much about, I mean, it partly is crafting certain policies and and having practices in place um, or codifying something in your employee handbook that no one's going to look at, you know. Um, It's more about inculcating, infusing, and growing a mindset among managers 
um, to really embody certain you know, values around flexibility and respecting that people have a life. Hopefully, hopefully that's a trend that will stay, but I'm skeptical. I am. Okay. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll need to talk in a couple of years and see, see, you know, look back at this and see. Yeah, see we'll keep this recording we and we'll play it back when we meet in two years time. Yeah, we'll see whether we've evolved or devolved. I don't know. I, I would just really like to see what I would like to see HR, I guess, and talent acquisition do is go, you know, hopefully now that, a, you know, we've been through this pandemic for over a year, move from a place of reaction to proaction, you know, um, just getting back to being more bold and more innovative and, and, um, and, and just planning ahead. I think that HR talent, talent acquisition works be, works um, best when it's focused on what's next, you know? So I would love to see that. Wonderful. And I know you are involved in a lot of community projects uh, in your local area, as well as uh, on the national scene. Um, so how do you enjoy giving back to the community and the HR community? I don't want to give back. Who cares? Um, <laughs> No, I, I mean, I think that doing, frankly, do, you know, this is one, this is one way, right? I mean, yes, it's a little self-serving. Here I am being all narcissistic, dressed up in gold, you know, getting to talk to people. There's a narcissistic element. Um, but that's the that. only way today. So it's not narcissistic. No, and or and that's fine. Hey, that's fine. I'm, I'm not, I'm not knocking myself or anyone else who's advancing their personal brand. But you know, there are different ways to advance your personal brand, and I think that. Oftentimes, the best thing that you can do to advance the HR community and to give back is to meet other people in the community, like we're doing right now, to have these conversations, to network, because what you're doing is you're bettering um, your own experience, right, with, with the benefit. Um, and I'm, I don't mean in a transactional way. I mean, people who um, can inspire you with new ideas and excite you and just, you know, um, uh, uh, help you be more enthusiastic about, you know, what you do. But at the same time, hopefully you're doing that for others, too, you know, and I think that the more that people reach out, especially on social, because and especially in a pandemic, because we can't be with each other physically, um, the more that you reach out. The more that you engage with other people on social, you know, share their content. And I've been a little lazy about it myself lately, but share their content, um, uh, talk about issues on social, in person. That's how you give back. Talking about these same issues with your family and friends, right? You know, you mentioned, you know, um, uh, giving back to the HR community is really just helping the HR community grow. But a lot of these HR issues are not HR issues. They're work issues. They're people issues. Most of us work for a living. So we need to have, be having these conversations with um, family members, friends, et cetera, about how to make work better, right? Absolutely. It's not just HR that is responsible for that. So that's what I like, just broaden your network. And I like, I, I told you in the green room before we got on today, I don't want to work. I just want to talk about work. And that's, that's what I love to do best. And <laughs> that's how I narcissistically give back to the HR community. <laughs> And, well, and adding some sparkle to it, right? Yeah, Shine. you do add the sparkle. So thank you for being your shining self in the community. And thank you for all the work that you do. How can my audience reach you uh, online, on social? What's the best way for them to do that? 
Yeah, just connect with me in, I mean, in any number of ways. Um, certainly on Twitter, at The Dean's Views, um, and you can find me on LinkedIn too. I'm not that hard to find. And of course, through through ERE and TLNT, just TLNT.com, ERE.net. You'll see me on the website, read the content, send me messages of praise, how much you love the content. But I'll be honest, I love, what I love best is getting an unhinged piece of hate mail. So if you have that for me, bring it. I love that too. I love listening to all opinions, but yeah, just connect with me through ERE, TLNT, Twitter, socials. Um, I, like I said a second ago, I love having the opportunity to connect with people like you and other uh, professionals. It's super fun. Absolutely. This has been a fun conversation. Oh my gosh, wait. Oh, how can I not just <laughs> Vadim, VadimLieberman.com, the blog that I haven't updated. And I still think, I think the top post on that blog, because it's been a while since I updated, and I'll just leave this for everyone, okay. is about that time that I urinated on myself at an <laughs> HR conference. It sounds exactly like it is, but not quite, but kind of. And I'll leave it at that. VadimLieberman.com, everyone. There's that shameless plug. All right. There's my, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Edit moment. Cut it off. Cut it off. Cut it off. (laughs) All right. This has been awesome. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. And, you know, you brought so much laughter into the show. So thank you for that. And, of course, the sparkle. Audience, thank you so much for being here today. Connect with Vadim. As you can tell, he's going to just inspire you in so many different ways. So do connect with him. And we look forward to bringing you more such global HR stories and HR tech stories. So thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you.